Welcome to Beyond the Bio, a podcast that shares the stories of some extraordinary people and dives deeper into the world of consulting. Our goal is to go beyond the bio you can find online and share more insight into the diversity of our people and some of the great work that they're doing. I'm Keith Bevins, a partner and global head of consultant recruiting at Bain & Company. Joining me today is Rishi Rungta, the founder and vice president of the Bain Innovation Exchange in our San Francisco office. Today, we'll talk to Rishi about his background, the work he's done outside of Bain, his work in the digital space at Bain, and potentially some of the stories from us working together earlier in his career before he left the first time. Rishi, welcome. Pleasure to be here. So why don't we start at the beginning uh, and spend a few minutes talking about how you ended up at Bain. Like me, you're an electrical engineer who didn't end up doing engineering and ended up in business. You know, it's interesting. It actually goes back to before I even applied to college. In high school, I was into art, I was into engineering, and I was also into business. I had my own little computer business, trying to be my own version of Michael Dell. And I knew I liked business, but I also liked building robots. So I chose U of I, because they had this one program that brought engineering and business together. And so I went to U of I, and there I started my sort of journey in electrical engineering. And while I found, you know, the class is really tough and challenging, I still had this mindset of, I want to start a company, I want to do something in business. And I was fortunate because I joined this group. It was a student organization that brought executives from corporations to campus. And I joined them as a treasurer. And here I was surrounded by seniors and juniors, all these kind of go-getters that were in engineering but loved business. And through that process, I got introduced to, you know, what was consulting. I had no clue what consulting was. As an electrical engineer, all the consultants on my internship were brought on to specific engineering projects to do this one technical part of the chip or the circuit and then move on to something else. So like you, I had no idea. And ironically, I kind of figured I'd be better at running an engineering company than being an engineer after a couple of internships. And so I never thought that I was going to be an engineer, even though I stayed for graduate school. I kind of figured business was more fun. And I had no idea about consulting either and found out about it relatively late in the game, too. So how did you end up choosing consulting as a place to go instead of starting your own thing? Well, your story reminded me I I got lucky. I got an internship with Siemens as a freshman. And to get that, I walked around my neighborhood asking for internships. And this adult that I knew, he he gave me the job. And I was literally testing for video packets uh, and how they were streamed. So this is like voice over IP back in the day. And I had no clue what I was doing. But what I realized was I was sitting in front of a computer, you know, running simulations. And I found myself thinking, this is not what I want to do. And so really quickly, I got a sense of I was more interested in the business side of things. And because of that organization, we brought business leaders that had engineering backgrounds. So I kept getting inspired by these folks. So that got me down the road, the, sort of the, I guess, the, the path of business. And... One day, I don't know if it's my sophomore year, junior year, one of the guys in this organization comes by, he got an offer. And the offer was to Bain. And I was like, what is this Bain thing? I had no clue. And he told me about it. It was a consulting job offer. And I was like, what do consultants do, right? And kind of went down that path yeah, of like, yeah. what, what is this job you've got? And so I was able to land myself a consulting gig my junior summer. And that really exposed me to the whole idea of like client services and it got me excited about you know, the idea of like solving problems for corporations. And while I was still super excited about starting something, I found myself thinking, I need to get some of those business skills that I didn't really have in my engineering classes. So you go through the interview process and you end up joining Bain Chicago. 
What is your transition like into Bain? The interview process, you know, it's funny, I had you as part of that process. You had the, I would say, the trickiest case interview. You're, you're welcome. Um, I can't. I don't know if I, I should share secrets on what you did there, but um, I found the the interview process quite fun actually, and you know, and a chance to meet everybody and all the different personalities. And because um, I consider myself more of a people person, I got more excited about the people I was meeting and the the challenges that you know the folks were were working on. And of course, the business problems were so diverse that. It just got me excited about, you know, I could be working on lots of things, especially at that time. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to be smarter in business. The one thing I would say is actually on the side, I had actually launched a startup. So through the whole interview process, my senior year, I was actually working on a startup to support college campuses. And so I was already working on a vision that I knew, like, I had a good idea what it needed to be, but I had no clue what the business model should be. I don't know how I should manage this, but I had something that I was building. So I would say that transition into Bain was honestly quite fun. The way Bain brings people together in your classes has led to some lifetime relationships to get me started in my kind of business career. But yeah, I would say that the process was, was great. It's worth pointing out that I had to eat my own cooking because after you joined Bain, you ended up joining my team as well. I did. <laughs> Way back in the day. My second project at Bain was working for you. Incredible. Good times down in San Antonio. Yeah. A lot of that team is still around, which is great, 10 years later. So after you joined the firm, you ended up spending several years here. Talk a little bit about your experience while you were here as a consultant. I would say everybody has their own unique experience. And as you get a little bit more familiar with the firm and the opportunities, you start to craft your own journey. And for me, that kind of uh, translated into a few really short projects, but a couple really long projects. And I was fortunate where I got to spend, call it one time, it was 18 months with a client and another two years. So I got quite embedded with clients as well as the being teams working with them which I found to be really powerful for me. And one of the clients, I remember we had a very tricky problem. The sales organization for this client wasn't really selling. And I come up with the idea that, hey, what if we launch a new call center and I'll just run this call center to see if we can prove whether internal call center will work or not. And so my sort of entrepreneurial background allowed me, Bain allowed me to go run this call center for the client. I hired 10 people. We built a platform that like managed all the call metrics. We hired internal like, client people to this project, and I ran it during the day. And at night, I did all the analysis. And so I, you know, between the startup project out of college, this project, everything, you know, had me excited about launching something. And did you think about it more as launching a business versus I think how a lot of people think about it as well, am I going to be doing strategy or implementation? It sounds like you almost just thought about it as there's a need, I'm going to go solve it. And yeah. Just leave it at that. 100%. It was, I go back to like engineering. Engineering is about solving a problem. Sometimes the path you take, it can vary. And for me, it was like, how do we get these guys to this massive organization to successfully sell, you know, into their customer base? And I looked at this as a, a problem to solve, and one path we were testing was this call center approach. Right. And actually, we failed. We did 30,000 calls, and the call center, we sold maybe 30 items after 30,000 calls. And that led us to a completely, you know, a pivot into a totally new strategy, which I think to this day, they're still deploying. So how long did you uh, run this call center before it ultimately... I think it was 
two to three months. The client basically gave me offices at two of their sites. I had their teams working for me. I mean, it was an amazing experience. It's unbelievable. And so what happens after that, aside from them not letting you run another call center? <laughs> yeah, it was definitely one of my favorite client experiences, favorite team experiences. But the back of me, like sort of on the side, I have a habit of trying to always do something different and testing things. And because of just my general curiosity, I was spending a lot of time looking at startups getting funded in Silicon Valley. I was hearing about things and just tracking startups for fun. And, you know, hearing all these stories, I thought, oh, I can build something. And one of the analysts on my team was, you know, came up to me one day. It's like, hey, Rishi, you should become a venture capitalist. And again, I sort of questioned, what is a venture capitalist? You know, just like what happened with consulting. I didn't know what a VC does. And I looked at this job description, which was actually for like a second year analyst, not me, which was my fourth year. But the job description looked interesting. I found myself thinking, I don't want to be a finance guy, but I got to interview with a VC fund. And the guy I interviewed with was advising Zipcar. And Zipcar was a startup that I used religiously living in Chicago. And I was blown away by what this role could entail. And honestly, I got just enamored by the idea of accelerating innovation by providing capital and providing resources. And so that got me down this path that, well, hey, let me take the skills I've gotten from Bain and actually try to take this other route, which is venture capital, especially when I actually didn't know what I wanted to launch yet, but I knew venture capital would bring me a little bit closer. So after a couple of years of working at the Pritzker Group, I know you went back and scratched the itch to pursue some of the startup ideas you had. Can you share a little bit about what you did there? So, you know, Pritzker Group is a, a family office. I was number five on a team. And you get to do a lot when you're a small team. And one of the first requests I get was Facebook is looking for an investment. And we had an opportunity to invest. And I remember one of the leading partners asking me, what do you think? And so I kind of went back to my actual Bain toolkit. This is like one of the first month or second month. I went back to my Bain toolkit, like, well, how do I evaluate this company? And, you know, I started doing interviews. I looked at the market. I looked at previous companies that were in the digital media space. And the main sort of point that got me excited about was my cousins in India were switching from the platform that they were on onto Facebook. Mm -hmm. And it was a pretty easy call at the moment. But So would you say that you're responsible for all the success Facebook has had in the last decade or so? Yeah, of course, 100%. No, absolutely not. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so... You ended up working there for a while, but I also just know since we've kept in touch that you've done some startups as well. So you ended up going back and scratching some of those old itches and launching a couple of different business ideas. What was that like and what was your experience doing that? What I would say is the challenge of being in a venture fund is you are literally being pitched every single hour by some amazing entrepreneur on what they're building, right? So it's like ideation, innovation, overload, and you end up starting to think that you definitely can do this. And... It's been four years at Pritzker. I had opened up the LA office and I was exposed to a lot of the consumer plays that we all have heard of, like Dollar Shave Club and Honest Company and just how they had started digitally first. And I finally got to this point where everything I had worked on was always on this sort of side hustle, which I'm a big fan of. But when you're starting a company, you really have to go all in. And I sort of decided at this point, I built a, a good toolkit and 
I need to step away and try my own thing, go all in. And I worked on a retail gifting play where we were basically inspired by Redbox, where we were building kiosks that print greeting cards on demand. And the idea was to change the customer journey of consumers that are looking to get a last minute greeting card. Today, you go into Walgreens or CVS and you have to go through two aisles of cards that can on average take 15 minutes to just find the right card. And we found actually guys really hate that process. And again, we were using the Bain Toolkit. We surveyed tons of people. We did in-store interviews. We would like sneak around the aisles at CVS and Walgreens and just talk to random folks to learn. We took all that and found that there is a problem that we think we can solve. And we went after that market. We found that to be difficult. It's a really difficult business to scale when you're using hardware. And I did not realize how difficult it would be to put a machine into a retail environment where like the store shuts down and now there's no more power to our kiosk. Well, we didn't think of that. So the next day, the kiosk isn't on. No one turned it on. And we had to learn that we had to put in some technology to ping us that it wasn't turned on, right? So learned a ton and we actually got product to market. We had a library of content that was probably bigger than Hallmark just through Etsy artists that gave us their libraries. So a fun experience nonetheless. So after a couple of startups and pursuing a bunch of different cool ideas and working at the Pritzker Group, you ended up coming back to Bain, which was really cool for me to see someone I had known for so long and had stayed in touch with in all the years you were gone. Why did you decide to come back? And what are you doing back at Bain? Because you're doing something that's uh, pretty cool that a lot of people probably are interested in hearing more about. Yeah, you know, I never actually considered coming back to Bain. Other folks have said, oh, you'll be back one day. But I never actually thought that I'd come back. And one day after these two startups, one of the startups I was trying to sell actually to one one of the corporates out there. And I found that process to be quite difficult. And I was finding this, I was getting interactions with an innovation group at this corporate. And I just saw a lot of opportunity in terms of, man, we could really help this corporate client be a little bit more disruptive, play in a world that they weren't playing in, and actually get them ready for the next 10 to 20 years, right? But it was very hard to do from a startup perspective. And at the same time, one of my investments was bought by a consulting firm. And I was starting to see just the activity of talent that you know, consulting firms were, were needing. Another thing that happened was, as an alumni, I was sitting there, I was like, well, I feel like Bain should leverage me more. <laughs> you know, I love everything that Bain has done, but I was like, hey, what if I could be more supportive on client cases or participate in workshops? So I had all these ideas, and I literally just called up one of the partners at Bain on a random walk and said, hey, what are you guys doing in innovation? I have some ideas. And that sort of spiraled into a conversation around, What could Bain do in innovation? And I rejoined Bain in 2017 to help launch what we now call the Bain Innovation Exchange. The Bain Innovation Exchange is really focused on helping our clients unlock their innovation capabilities and take advantage of the significant amount of innovation that's happening around them. Not to say take advantage, but actually mutually benefit from what's happening out there. And so with that premise, I've had this vision that, you know, Bain can be a true leader in innovation consulting, and we need to help our clients not get disrupted. So 
Talk about the work that the Innovation Exchange is doing. I know you and I have talked about it a lot, but it'd be great to hear more about the different sort of products and services that you're offering to clients. Because it's some really interesting stuff that I think has opened a lot of people's eyes as to what it means to unlock their innovation capability. But it also taps on all of the different experiences you've had along the way. So you sort of speak Bain, you speak startup, you speak VC. And this is a pretty neat role that brings them all together from what I can tell. Yeah, it's honestly, I couldn't have thought about the Bain Innovation Exchange without having done all three roles <laughs> and living and breathing kind of those perspectives. So at the core of what, and we call it BIE for short, the core of what BIE does is building out an ecosystem of relationships with the top tier venture funds, niche funds, the folks that are investing in the next 10 years. And so we have built out relationships in Silicon Valley, in Chicago, in Los Angeles, in Singapore, in Beijing, in India, in Europe. So we are building out those relationships to help our clients actually get access to these players for mutually beneficial reasons, right? That's probably the core of where we started. We've now evolved that into really helping unlocking our clients' innovation capabilities. So we're actually building out capabilities around innovation strategy. You know, if you're a big corporation, do I start a venture capital fund? Do I participate in an accelerator? How much money should I put against our innovation activities versus the core business? Mm -hmm. How do we even think about this? It's actually very complicated. And so we're spending more and more time with our clients, diving deeper on, you know, one, educating our clients on this, and two, helping them get to launch orbit as fast as possible with the right operating model. Right, because part of that, I assume, you know, in the past, it was a question of, do we build it inside or just acquire something? And what you're actually proposing is a whole bunch of different options that weren't even on the table back when I started. So all of our data, we did this massive survey of 1,200 executives in innovation. And so the common denominator across everybody is doing M&A, traditional M&A, and R&D slash building on your own, right? That's what most traditional companies have done. The leading innovators are actually testing on a multitude of approaches. You know, there's no silver bullet here. But you really need to have the capabilities to you know, partake in this ecosystem, be building on your own, but maybe using startup methodology to do that, right. investing in companies so you can participate later on. And so there's many more approaches. Right. I think what I've seen that's been pretty neat to watch is deciding that you want to invest in early stage companies is one step along a long journey because you actually have to figure out who those companies are and they have to actually know and trust what your intentions are and sort of getting that whole ecosystem up and running I think is an important part of what BIE is playing for our clients because it's not something they really can do on their own they want to and even if they wanted to they still don't know how 100 percent yeah and I would say part of that then is we've got the strategy piece we can help them with the operating model and a lot of the BIE mantra is how do we actually help them execute? So we actually have a service that we are the eyes and ears for our clients. We have global presence where we can help our clients identify the right companies and get them in front of them. We have teams that can help you launch a completely new business, completely new capability for Bain, but we actually have a few new ventures going where we're hiring for EIRs, entrepreneurs and residents, to run them. We help the client set up their venture fund where the Bing team was doing all the diligence on prospective venture targets. 
So in addition to the work that we're doing for clients on the BIE side, helping them set up venture funds, how to launch new businesses, and building that whole ecosystem for them to plug into, uh, we're also doing some pretty interesting things around ADAPT, our advanced digital and product team, and the Bain Media Lab. How do those fit into the overall brand that Bain has launched, Vector? Yeah, it's great. There's a lot of product development companies out there, and they do a lot of great work. ADAPT is a group that's really focused on product development with our clients. And if you think about it, we actually have a really good understanding of strategy. And part of what we have been focused on is, you know, how do we show versus tell? And how do we bring things to come to life? It's amazing watching the engineers and designers on the ADAPT team. They will take a problem set and, you know, we'll use a number of different methods to get smarter on the problem and the, the real sort of needs of customers through interviews and ethnographic studies, and we will build actual prototypes and products. One of my first projects was helping a, a large ag client service smaller buyers. So they're looking to lower the cost to serve. And we designed their future e-commerce business from scratch. You know, I would say ADAPT is really focused on that. Our ADAPT teams also support us on helping us launch new businesses as well, mm-hmm. given it's a pretty strong and large team. Part of that, you mentioned like analytics. If you think about it, a lot of the, I don't know how many startups come to me every day with, hey, we, we do AI. <laughs> and it's funny, like everyone says AI is part of their product, but the reality is AI should be part of every single product that's serving a B2B client. And we as Bain have also picked up on that, that the power of analytics can truly get us to better answers? And how do you kind of bring both analytics and product together? Yeah, and it it is interesting because what you're highlighting here, I think, is that all of these things are coming together and just integrated into part of the core business. There's not sort of retail and then AI-powered retail or healthcare and AI-powered healthcare or ag or, you know, pick a sector. Everybody has to start learning how all of these things are going to impact and disrupt their business. We also have the a set of alliances as a firm. So what's been cool also for me to see is Adapt will build a prototype and we'll get it running in part of the business. And then we'll bring in one of our sort of other partners to build a true ERP global scale system on top of that. So it sort of goes from strategy to prototype, version one, version two, version three, to boom, enterprise scale, enterprise scale launch. The other thing that's uh, launched recently is the Media Lab. What are they up to and what is the Bain Media Lab doing? Yeah, this one's a fun one. So think about the BIE, which is helping our clients get exposure and access to the right tech companies. Well, through that process, we at Bain are also leveraging the BIE for our own, our own needs. And so the BIE helped identify a really fantastic computer vision AI company called Hive.ai. And Hive was doing some really neat things around understanding viewership on linear television and effectiveness on conversion of advertising. And we kind of looked at this startup and said, hey guys, this is amazing what you've built. I mean, in the last hour that we've talked, they literally have downloaded an hour's worth of all linear television in the US and have tagged it for logos and brands and images. And we said, well, why don't we work together in a partnership? We'll call it the Bain Media Lab. And what if we could take what you've built and build a platform that helps our clients actually better measure and better understand analytics on linear television. And as you can imagine, this is a pretty big opportunity for brands 
the marketers as well as the media companies to get much better insight into how effective those ad slots are. Right. So for me, thinking back to my AC days in the 90s, it was, do we put a billboard? Do we put a sign up at the bus stop? Do we you know, run a commercial on TV? And what Hive and what the Bay Media Lab are actually allowing our, us to do for clients, it sounds like, is when I'm watching the basketball game, there's a logo on the jersey, there's a logo on the court, there's signs in the stadium. Which ones are showing up on the TV and how often and at what frequency are people seeing them? so that they can actually make advertising decisions the same way we would have made on billboards. Exactly. And what these, what these brands do is they'll actually have teams that are just saying they're counting manually. Now imagine with computer vision, it's all done automatically, just like that, boom. It flashes on the screen and the system and tags it, captures that it. basketball example is an exact example that we have. We actually have that. Like, and they can depict the quality of every logo on the jersey or on the the hoops, right? And that matters, right? Especially when it comes to, think about all the sort of uh, impact of this. It's negotiation in stadiums, negotiation for brands. I mean, all the different spots you can think of. Right. And again, it becomes like the last part of the strategy. We have a strategy. We need to target this demographic. We know where they are. How do we get it? And how can Bain help people get into that? So with all the different things that we've talked about, BIE, the Bain Media Lab, ADAPT, the Alliance ecosystem, how is that different? How is Bain's approach here different relative to other options that companies out there are looking for and other options that recruits might be looking for? I would say that specifically with the BIE, we are focused on helping our clients figure out really the innovation journey and leveraging the right sets of approaches versus maybe like the one, one tool. Building a startup is not always the right answer when there might actually be startups already out there that you could partner with just like we did with Hive, right? If we went out and tried to build our version of Hive, that would mean millions of dollars of funding, and that's not our core competency. And so I would say the big differentiation that I've seen with our approach versus, call it our competitors, has been leveraging the ecosystem, finding the right partners for our clients. And as it relates to recruits, it's you know, we're not coming in with a hammer nail solution. We're coming in still strategically on helping our clients identify the right thing to do. So that's a little bit about how we're doing things differently. But for people that are listening to this that might be in school or thinking of making a career change, how do they end up working alongside some of these groups or BIE if they wanted to join Bain and join one of those groups? Do they sort of do like you and I and start on the consulting side and find their way into other parts of the business or do they join directly? Talk a little bit about the types of people that you're hiring and what the options are for people at Bain to get more exposure and work alongside your team. So as each of these new groups at Bain are scaling, as you can imagine, the, the need for talent is great. I would say there are a few options. One is each of these groups are rotating folks in, especially folks that are, you know, raise their hand and are really excited about it. On a day-to-day basis, I get someone reaching out saying, hey, I've done a startup in the past. I went to business school and I would love to take part, right? And, and we're very open to those conversations. And so I'd say formally, we've got what we call a ring fence where folks from the core consulting side can join the BIE or they can join ADAPT and play a role. There are also then, we're directly hiring as well, right, for roles. They, of course, differ in each of the ADAPT versus BIE, but we are looking for differentiated talent. So there's direct roles that we have job postings up for, uh, we're continuing to hire for. And then on top of that, more and more teams are 
serving our clients in a really differentiated way. When I mean differentiated way, we are, each of the teams are actually leveraging certain capabilities of ADAPT or BIE or an analytics team. And so consultants and new recruits will definitely get exposure that way as well. Yeah, I mean, as we look at it, you know, one of the things that we've seen here is that every one of our projects is looking at things through a digital lens. We didn't talk a lot about advanced analytics, but between that and the other groups you've talked about, everybody's thinking about how this type of technology and innovation is going to disrupt their business, whether we're doing a strategy project, an implementation project, an operations project, sort of we're always looking at it through this lens. And the vast majority of our cases actually have one of these capabilities embedded in the team, which is different than what people would experience working at some of our competitors. Rishi, thanks for being here. Always a pleasure catching up. This time to talk about work, sometimes to talk about different startup ideas. For those of you tuning in, thank you very much. Be sure to subscribe to Beyond the Bio wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you soon with another episode. Thanks, Rishi. Thanks, Keith.